He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 131 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. I'm joined with Barry O'Hanran. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Uh, Masters week. Excited? Yeah, more than Christmas. <laughs> you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's starting to really kind of ratchet up now. Uh, watching a bit of Sky Sports earlier in terms of the coverage from over there and it's it's starting to become a very real I, I may have had a second laptop open and work with the on the range coverage going just which uh, has been followed by Trackman this week yeah it's good it's uh, really good in any event we'll get to the master shortly if anybody has anything they'd like to get in contact with us we're on twitter the handle is at a good talk golf the email is good talk spoiled at gmail.com um, we normally talk about our own games. I didn't play. Can we just skip through and just get to the Masters as quickly as possible? Done. Excellent. Um, the LPGA, the last couple of weeks, um, and I suppose we're going to talk a little bit in a moment, but the Kia Classic was at Carlsbad on the weekend of the 23rd to the 26th of March, and Miriam Lee won that. Congratulations. Last week, the ladies had their first um, major of the year. It was at the Annan Inspiration at the Rancho Mirage in California. <clears throat> and this, I suppose, firstly, to give her dues, um, Si Young Ri won uh, at the first playoff hole. But I suppose nobody's probably going to remember that over the course of the next number of years. It's going to be remember as poor old Lexi Thompson and uh, another bungled call on the rules and for people who haven't seen this on Saturday Lexi marked her golf ball on what was pretty much a tap-in putt marked the ball took the ball up replaced it you couldn't see the marker on the tv screen behind the ball when she replaced the ball you could see a bit of the marker fast forward then what 24 hours pretty much and an armchair viewer phones in, tells the LPGA they were of, watching. The, uh, of the infringement of an incorrectly marked ball. Lexi is then told by the rules official on the Sunday mid-round that she's now incurred a two-shot penalty for the incorrect placement and a further two-shot penalty because she had incorrectly marked for her... Uh, so Saturday round the card. incorrectly signed the score yeah, signed an incorrect <coughs> score four, four shot penalty yeah it's hard to watch uh, the footage of how it was done walking from one hole to another uh, Barry initial views uh, right call wrong call it let's take it the letter of the rules the letter of the law there was an infringement so yeah. we, we can agree with that absolutely the ball, the ball was certainly put down in not the same place it was picked up from. Now, we're talking probably fractions. Uh, I would say, at most, it's a half a ball in width. So, 
within that, um, it's still it's probably safe to say that ninety nine percent of weekend golfers are breaching this rule probably every single week. I, probably ninety nine percent of tour players are breaking this rule every single absolutely. week. Absolutely, there's no way anybody can get the ball exactly to the the millimeter in the same place. It's or to you know to even smaller margins than that if you're going to say exactly the same place. So her hers was distinct enough. It was still you know, on the perimeter of the marker where she placed the ball. So there's no no advantage that she's getting. Um, but yeah, within the letter of the law, she broke the rules and um, it's, a, it's a brutal penalty to get hit with, especially 24 hours after the event in the middle of the final round when you're playing well and you're, you know, you've got a three-stroke lead at the time. Uh, it's just... Um, I, I, I can't even begin to comprehend the head melt that was going on well, you see, so this is my take on it. The, the rule is correct, despite the fact that I have a real problem with armchair refereeing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that, I, the armchairs I, I, in I a think, second. I think that's, that's a problem. It is a breach. You're 24 hours later. It hasn't been spotted by any of the actual officials. The player who's marking your card had no problem with it. Mm. They were nearby. They didn't go, sorry, Lexi, clearly you've put the ball in the wrong place. She didn't seek to intentionally do it. There was no, like, it wasn't like she moved it, you know, half a club length away. Like, it, it yeah. was fractions, you know, and that's what we're talking about. The real problem I have, and this is going back to the Dustin Johnson situation, when do you tell a player, or when is there, like, in effect, a curfew that says, well, she started her second round, she started her Sunday round, the penalty wasn't spotted or wasn't viewed before that, that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's gone. Mm. You started the next round unless there was an intentional, deliberately intentional action by the player to break the rules. I think that there should be a cutoff point. And mid-round, I think, is really unfair. I think she needs to be told. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's unfair to tell her in the middle of the final round of a major. Oh, by the way, you think you're like a couple of strokes ahead. You're not because we're imposing a four-shot penalty. It's there's so many layers to, to to unraveling this to getting to a proper solution. But I'd like to go back to there's there's apps in my mind. There's no intention to gain an advantage. And from what I could see on the replay, it looked like her ball was in a very small depression, which could have been a pitch mark. It may not have been a pitch mark. Perhaps subconsciously in her head, she sees that as an unfair disadvantage and isn't seeking to get an advantage. She's just seeking to correct the disadvantage by moving the ball that little bit to the side of that depression so it's sitting on a flat surface. This is all subconsciously done. You, you see it. You don't have time. She's just over the ball, doing it quickly. She doesn't have time to premeditate this, think it through. She's just It's just a, an instinctive little reaction. Unfortunately, it is against the rules of golf and... The way they have it structured at the moment, it just sucks. I mean, to be hit with the, to be hit with the penalty for playing the ball from an incorrect place, I'm okay with that. She did that. But because it's brought to the attention so much later on, as in the next day when she's in the middle of the next round, to then get penalised for signing an incorrect scorecard when she had no opportunity to respond to the accusation or to the, the cheating or the crime or the breaking of the breach of the rule... It's a brutal double penalty. It, it it does amount to a double penalty in my mind. It's like getting executed twice for you know for a, a. So I think we can agree that 
the two-shot penalty should be imposed. Yeah. But are you suggesting then, once the next round starts, this idea of an additional two-shot penalty for the signing of the scorecard incorrectly should have some ability to have a leeway, that, that there should be some idea within the rules that if it wasn't deliberate I she didn't so. deliberately then sign the card incorrectly now a year ago she'd have been DQ'd mm-hmm. like a year ago she'd have been out of the tournament so at least we've moved slightly beyond that nonsense yeah but I don't think they've gone far enough in their correction of the the inequality in the rule that was there in the first place I, I think it's a mess do you think some rules like that deserve a lesser penalty then, like, so for instance, a two shot penalty within the signing, so a four shot penalty for what looked like a non intentional action by a player seems mm. kind of disproportionate to the crime. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me like it's, you know, kind of reflective of what occurred. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like she's moved her ball out of a plugged lie in a bunker to a tap-in range on the green. You know, it's, it's so... Or, or, for instance, if she if, if she grounded her club in the bunker to gain in a... You know, something like that. You yeah, can kind of go, okay... To push the way out from behind the know, ball. Yeah, like, okay, she's she's deliberately gaining an advantage yeah. out of that. But I think there needs to be some leeway. I think there needs to be some common sense mm-hmm. in golf rules. And we're talking about all these changes that are coming up. I think common sense might be, like, the number one rule change that actually this time... I also really do feel sorry for not just her, but anybody who gets hit with a penalty like that on the course, on the final round, or any round. They should have given her a timeout, in effect. Mm-hmm. They should have had a monitor to show her. She hadn't got a clue what they were talking about. Yeah, She's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Like, what? So they didn't even say, look, I'm really sorry. Could we just pull off to one side here for two minutes? We have a monitor here. We're going we're to show it to you yeah. so that you know. Because, like... And also then just to give her, you know, I don't know, say five minutes after that to say, okay, we're going to give you, if you want, you can have like a few minutes mm-hmm. as part of the rules to get your head back in the game, understands what's happened and move on. To be fair, she was a trooper. Like she, she, she played really well yeah. throughout the remainder of it. But I just think that, you know, other people might have hit with that information and acted in a different way. And I think that's unfair. I think it shows people what, should have been yeah. given a bit of a time to kind of take it in, appreciate what's happened, and then kind of go, well, look, what can I do? I need to re-gauge. Because she's in a mindset. She's in a round. Mm-hmm. Her and her caddy are like looking at the leaderboard. They're looking at what they have to do. They've, they've strategized. Yeah. Maybe, you know, okay, there's a par five. I'm, I'm not going to go for the par five in two, or I'm, I'm going to lay up. Now, all of a sudden... She's not where she thought she was, and they need to re-kind of calibrate. Mm-hmm. And 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 we probably, as amateurs, don't realize quite how much strategy the caddies and the players are talking about all the way through. Where are they in the leaderboard? Do I have to go for this? Do I not have to go? And I think she should have been given a little bit of time just to take it in. Like she was in, like she was crying. She was she was in bits by the time yeah. she was standing on the next tee box. And I think that's the bit I have a real problem with. Like she needs to know. Of course, she needs to know. Yeah. But it's the manner in which it's done and also this is, seems a bit cruel. It's just repeated fuck-up after repeated fuck-up. And I'm not excusing the French. They really are genuinely are those by the rules and tournament officials. And they're, what, when are they going to get to a stage when these things are sorted? They have chances to put in local rules in place between now and the time that these new 2019 rules will come in. Um, it's, it's just messy. And it just paints golf in another terrible picture again. 
what other sports does this happen? Like, I mean, could we go back uh, 24 hours after a rugby game and say we need to look at a video evidence of a try that was scored that in the last minute of the game that ended up winning a game, and we need that re- we need that decision reversed now? I mean, that's what it that's what it equates to. Well, you see, you're penalised in golf because it's a four round competition, so you can you know in a football match or a rugby match, it's 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 it's, it's, it's over once the game is rugby over. Rugby match is two halves, like, so four. You know, know, the, the, the golf is four quarters, just played on different days. But the point is, it gives people the opportunity to come back and penalise somebody day after. But why, can't, they, why been... can't I come back after a rugby match and ask that? And look at the video ref 24 hours later and say, actually, you know, he didn't touch down that ball perfectly. That's not a try. Their decision should be reversed. And that and that result doesn't stand. That's what it's amounted to. It's preposterous. In no other sport would you see this. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I go all the way with you on that. I think that we're talking about apples and oranges in two different sports. One being played over 80 minutes, the game is over. And there is a ref looking at that game at all times. The goes of no, 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 no. So to do that then, what you need is you actually need a proper rules official who is the ultimate decider on that group. There is one per, per either hole or one per group or whatever way they want to do it. But they should be then the deciders. That's Final the arbiter decider. there and then. Yeah. They're the ref for that game. They mark the cards. Mm-hmm. They look at everything. And if they see an infringement, then it's for them to call it. And if you might get, you might get a really lenient ref, you might get a really strict ref. But whatever it is, you have a ref. And that match, that three ball or that two ball, that's your ref. And they sign off. It's Once decided. they sign yeah, off, yeah. that's it. Or there's an overall ref if you, need, if you want to make an appeal based on the ref for your group. But what this is all leading towards, obviously, is why are armchair referees still allowed at this stage? Why is this happening? Why have they not outlawed this? They can surely bring in local rules for every tournament between now and the time that it is outlawed that disbars these armchair referees from bringing up these these insane the real, the real bit that I have an issue and I've had obviously we have very many issues on this and it will be interesting to see what the listeners think at a good talk golf is what happened if the guy was watching it on Monday if he was watching it on Monday it happened on the Sunday round he's watching it Monday he, he, he was in work he didn't get to see it or she didn't get to see it he's watching back he rings the LPGA headquarters and goes oh by the way I watched the, the re-highlights and this I noticed what yeah. do they do? Ring up Lexi and say, "Sorry, uh, your ooh, title's gone." Sorry, this is really unfortunate, but uh, you're going to have to give us back the check, give us back the title, and we're now retrospectively. Or do you think it just gets brushed under the carpet and ignored? And that's where I think there is a difference between what happens on a Monday, mm. similar to what you're suggesting okay, about rugby yeah. or golf, uh, where I the, the, that, the tournament yeah. is over. Mm-hmm. Where in golf, from Thursday to Sunday. You have a round that you can ring up and go, oh, something happened yesterday and you can penalise them today. You, they wouldn't be penalised. Like, for instance, the Dustin Johnson situation years ago in the major where he grounded the club. That happened at the end. So he was told at the end, yeah. you know, it's, oh, you, you've actually been penalised. I don't think any tournament would be overturned on a Monday morning viewing of what happened. Because otherwise, it would just become it would, it would surely complete be, nonsense. Well, I mean, it, it is complete nonsense what's happened here. And to parallel it back to rugby then, I, I see what you mean about the, the, the event being over and not being over. But if a try is scored, what happened to the Leinster game last week, sorry for anyone who doesn't follow rugby, but a try was scored and the Jonathan Sexton, the Leinster out half, said that was a knock-on. The replays were shown on TV, on the big screen in the, in, in the stadium, Everybody starts shouting. In the meantime, 
the Wasps guy has gone to get the ball. If a conversion is kicked, they cannot look at the video referee to change a decision. No matter what happened, if he juggled the ball and threw it out of the stand and didn't touch it down, if the conversion is taken, the decision stands. So in the same way as you were suggesting, if round four has started, whatever happened in round three should be done and dusted and dead. It, it all, it, it's a real oh, There's so many levels. I, I, we could talk about it for hours, but I don't want to talk about it anymore because... I don't want to talk about the Masters. All I hope is that we don't have to talk about it next week because of something that happens this week. Um, We can agree that it needs to be sorted once and for all at a good talk golf. It's certainly given a lot of the pros this week over in uh, the Mm. Masters and there's been a lot of tweeting about it. So, you know, I think this is going to rumble on. Um, The PGA a couple of weeks ago had the Puerto Rico Open DJ Point won that that was being held at the Puerto Rico the Rio Grande um, the same weekend the PGA Tour and the European Tour had the WGC Dell match play in Texas and Dustin Johnson came home with that last week the Shell Houston Open was at Cocoa Beach Golf Club Rio Grande in Puerto Rico no it wasn't <laughs> no. that's copy and paste fail <laughs> Copy and paste failed by me trying to get the agenda done quickly. It was uh, it was in Houston. It was in Houston. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that's really weird. The country club of Houston. Yeah, I feel like Anchorman. I just read what's uh, on my screen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Russell Russell Henley won that and secured himself a invitation to the Masters this week. So he's he been- also in that got the eight a.m. slot in Group One with Daniel Summerhays uh, going in in a two ball. But uh, do you think he cares? Not really. No, uh, not at all. Uh, so that was all that. Now yeah. let's move on to this week, the two thousand and seventeen Masters taking place at Augusta National, Augusta, Georgia, is going to be played over the seven thousand four hundred thirty-five yard par seventy-two. Um, that we are all so wonderfully familiar with. Yeah, first major of the year. It's the start of the golfing year. This is when the big boys come to town. And right now, it is anyone's game. However, we are going to try over the next couple of uh, minutes to look at as much as we can and to try and narrow down the attributes, the course, and all Mm. of the things. Barry, this course is so well known to pretty much everybody Golfer or non-golfer, this is this great tournament that people who don't even like golf mm-hmm. sit for four days in a year and watch golf like they're avid viewers. Um, what is it for you that just makes this so absolutely special and pretty much you mark the calendar every single year at the beginning <laughs> of the, the year? From the PGA Championship onwards. I, look, it's so many things. It's childhood memories. It's the familiarity with the course. It's the beauty of the course and how manicured and perfect it always appears to us on TV. It's always had that special reverence in the tones of the commentators. It's just layer upon layer. I realize I'm using that theme a lot tonight, today in my uh, in the podcast, but it's just thing upon thing upon thing that makes it so special. Do you think the fact that it's played on the same course every year, Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about what happened in 2016? We can talk about watching the famous Tiger Woods chip shot, you know, from years ago. We can talk about him winning it in 97. You can, all the history, Larry Mize, all of that history is on the same course, albeit with a few tweaks here and there, but it's the same course year in, year out, which means that all the memories start flooding back when you think the Masters and the good, the bad, the Rory, you know, sure. uh, the, the ju- 
Jordan Spieth meltdown. You have the, the, the highs and the lows. Where maybe in other tournaments, like say the Open Championship over here, you got to wait for five years before it gets back to that. Well, if, that some, if somebody starts course. going like, "Oh, the 2007 Masters," you can you know you can remember who won, which I need to look up. I think it was Immelman, was it? Or it's yeah, it could have been. Anyway, but when people start referencing specific years, you can remember the events of those okay, uh, years. But if somebody says, "Oh, the 2010 U.S. Open," you have to you know try think a bit deeper about it. But the Masters is just a lot more relevant. Um, and the memories build upon, like you say, they build upon each other. So it forms this big history of the tournament in your head. And I think that's what, you know, one of the great factors that makes it such a special thing. And it is, it coincides with the beginning of the golfing season up in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, springtime, there's longer evenings. For so many reasons, it is it is the the special one. And so um, yeah, let's, uh, let's... Let's talk about the course. Amen Corner. It's it's the famous area. It's where a lot of the championships at times has has come unstuck for some players. Um, it's been won by others. Someday at the Masters, it always turns on the afternoon, the back nine. Is a main corner really the, the 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 crux of where people can win and lose the likes of the Masters? No, it's all eighteen holes. It really is. A main corner's got this little mystique about it, but. Um, there, there are other key holes out there. You know, fifteen, the last four holes of you're making that charge. I don't, I, I can't just get on board with saying it's three holes that make all the difference. It did last year for Jordan Spieth, um, but it's, it's you, you got to bring it all the way around this golf course under some really, really tough par fours. Even early on, um, you know, the third that tabletop green. 15 is you know can be an eagle hole but it can be a double bogey very quickly if you play it, play it incorrectly so you, you got you got to have all aspects of your game sharp the course has taken a huge amount of rain over this winter more so than it has done in recent years it bucketed down rain yesterday which monday we're recording this on tuesday the course had to be evacuated for a tornado warning it's crispy hot there today it's up in the high 80s and fahrenheit 26 degrees celsius that'll dry it out a bit but it's going to rain again tomorrow so with the course, with the grass mown towards the tee, the course is going to be playing extremely long. The greens will be a little bit receptive, so it, it, it does lend itself to somebody who's a real power hitter and can fly the ball a long way in the air and and get it to stop quickly on the greens. Added to that on Thursday and Friday, there's going to be quite heavy winds, so it's going to be a real challenge for the guys. And I think when you when you look at the, the, the course, when you look at the, you know, the guys who can come through from a pack or kind of break away to win. You're right, you know, sometimes it's it's the guys who get on a roll from 13, 14, 15. You know, 16 is the par three. How many times have we watched guys birdie that mm-hmm. and go on and win it? It's in that really receptive area that, you know, you find the ball falling down. In the hole in one position. And, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's that kind of hole where you find that it's the guy who makes the good swing on that hole and then 17 and 18 you know there's obviously there's there's trouble there's reward there it, it's a superb last four or five holes for any tournament or any major but is it going to be the guy who can start putting maybe you know that amazing kind of second shot into the 13th green on the par five you know a guy who might birdie that is that kind of it is that those holes the momentum shifter at that stage, that the guy who gets hot 
well, towards and, the end is, and, is an eagle on the up. an eagle on the back line on Sunday is massive. But as we all know, you need to start a go- you need to start the Masters fast to remain in the conversation. It's a very difficult tournament to play catch up golf on. So you want to have a quick start to this tournament. You, you want you know ideally you want to be within the top ten after day one. Um, it's going to be tough day one and two this this year. The wind is up. I, I, I don't think the scoring is going to be very, very low. It's a tough, tough golf course. I'm, you know, we're looking at 35-kilometer-an-hour winds, you know, 20-mile-an-hour winds, um, swirling around those trees and the elevation changes. You're going to get some really weird gusts, and guys are going to be absolutely baffled by things that happen to them. So, The attributes that are required with this weather, with yeah. this kind of... It is taking a lot of water... The funny thing about Augusta is that, you know, with just the sheer ability of these guys just to, you know, make this course look amazing and play amazing, it can take a a big soaking at times and all of a sudden it's still playing, you know, fast and loose and hard. Yeah, they're just so bad system underneath the greens in particular, they can suck them dry. So, you know, as you say, yesterday there was a lot of water, today it's it's, it's all right, Mm. there's meant to be rain coming in again tomorrow by the time we get to to kind of thursday it should be fine weekend is going to be nice and you know perfect yeah. weather wise the weather the wind the rain does that show a guy who needs to have an all-round attributes or are we looking at kind of the guy who's going to put the best scramble the best or is it the guy who's going to end up being pretty much having to take most of the boxes maybe not excelling in one yeah but but hitting all of them uh, this week in, in in the kind of the top ten top twenty of of the stats of most of the stats I'm for sure and that that's that comes across every year in guys that are successful around here I think based on Thursday and Friday the thing that you really need the most is just that ability to play in the wind and to grind out a score you need extreme patience when it's going to be playing this difficult. Um, I re- I mean, and that's kind of an intangible factor as well, that ability to grind. You can't find uh, stats, strokes gain stats on guys uh, who score well in windy conditions. There's there's, there's that combined with the, the little mystique of Augusta. Somebody, you know, think think like Podrick Harrington ability to grind, um, Seve, you know, Jordan Spieth, just that hatred of making bogeys. There's another key stat then that's a good one to look at is bogey avoidance. Now, as um, Steve Bamford has told me, that also counts doubles and triples, so it doesn't weight the bogeys. But it basically is how good a guy is at avoiding dropping shots to a golf course. And I think that one's going to be particularly useful around Augusta. We all know how damaging, year on year when we're watching our bets, how damaging a double bogey can be to a guy's progress in this tournament. So... um, to to try limit your you know try not have a double bogey at all is a good thing but to to limit the bogeys is very crucial to keeping keeping momentum going around here. So look, we know that this is one of the strongest fields that are available for any tournament. And um, the depth chart is is colossal here. And um, you can probably discount a third of the field pretty much straight away simply on the basis that they're all champions mm. they're back on you know guys who are first time players guys who are just there to enjoy it not to say they can't win but you know pretty much you can kind of start looking elsewhere it leaves a third of the field that you could simply make an argument for for quite a few of them as to why mm. they will come through and then the, the the final third is the kind of unknowns 
the guys who kind of come out of nowhere, you know, they've gone under the radar. We're going to spend our time probably talking about most of the top 10 in the world. And it could be a guy who all of a sudden out of nowhere runs on through <laughs> and wins it. Let's have a look at the betting first. And I think that thing can kind of point us towards where people might look at. Um, you know, unsurprising, Dustin Johnson's 13-2 to favourite. You've got Jordan Speed 7-1. to Rory McIlroy, 15-2. to uh, Matsuyama, 18-1. to Jason Day, 20-1. to Ricky Fowler, 22-1. to Phil Mickelson, 25 with John Ram. Uh, Justin Rose, also at 25-1. to Adam Scott, 30-1 to with uh, Justin Thomas. Henrik Stenson, 33-1. to Bubba Watson, 35-1. to we, we we can go on further down in a minute if necessary, but you know let's just look at the the top. Dustin Johnson is 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 clearly the form player to a certain extent at the moment. Winner last week at the WGC. He's won his last three tournaments. Or oh, sorry, well two Good weeks God. ago at the yeah. WGC. And he's he's pretty hot right now. And 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 worryingly for quite a few on the field, are he's saying, "Hey, I've not even reached you know where I think I can get to." Mm. Um, his his driving is going to be a huge asset for him this week. You know, we know kind of what he can do. But for me, looking at the stats for Dustin Johnson, it's his greens and reg that like he's number one there at the moment on the PGA. It's a super super. Um, you know, stat to have going into this week because ultimately the guy who's gonna, you know, we know how tough this course is to get up and down. Scrambling is so difficult. It's an awful lot easier when you're on the green in the first place. Yeah. Is there, like, it's safe to say we can make a claim for Rory, we can make a claim for Jordan, we can make a claim. Is it hard to really look beyond Dustin Johnson if he gets going early in this tournament no I, I I don't think you're going to have a runaway winner of this um, there's a few stats pointing against Dustin Johnson the world number one hasn't won the Masters since 2002 nobody's won four PGA Tour events in a row since Tiger Woods did it in 2006 I think it was um, you know and to keep this level of form he's had you know it was a couple of weeks ago when he last played to keep that level of form he's kept going for so long just for that little bit more um, it's tough we've seen it we saw Matsuyama has fallen off in form from his hot streak back at the end of last year Justin Thomas's blazing hot streak where he won multiple times in a short space of time he's gone off the boil a bit so the thing I've been wondering is when is Dustin Johnson going to go off the boil but even when he's off the boil he's still contending so that's why that's what makes him so dangerous I think between him Rory and Jordan Speed. You could toss a three-sided coin, as far as I'm concerned, on who you want to back. You can't back all three of them because they're too short. Not a smart strategy. Um, my money went on Rory a few weeks ago when I got him at eleven to one. He's now a little bit shorter. That was when he was injured. So I'm 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 on the Rory train this week. I think he's coming in under the radar a little bit because of what Dustin Johnson has done and Jordan Spieth, especially with all the focus on him from his mess up last year on uh, ten, eleven, and twelve in particular. And to so, be fair to Jordan, like also let's let's be honest, let's forget about what happened yeah. in that. This is a guy who's never been outside the top two yeah, in, yeah. in the Masters. Absolutely. So like you know, okay, he he had uh, an unfortunate brain fart last year. He made an error, mm-hmm. but this is also a guy who over two years 
two tournaments has gone winner second like he's, three years three years second sorry, for sorry, a second, second, for a second so this is a guy over three years has never been less than a runner-up yeah so and, and would have won it last year pretty much if he hadn't had the brain fart so now all of a sudden you know like jordan speed whatever kind of form he had shown like this guy loves this place yeah. like you know whatever about dustin johnson Surely the focus this week should be on Jordan Speed, not about last year, but the fact this guy has no idea what number three feels like at Augusta National. 100%. And if you look at his stats, he's worked his ass off on his long game. His greens and regulation are way up. I was listening and watching to the on the range coverage earlier. He was aired his wedges, and the commentator said, uh, Boy, he's, uh, he's club twirling, twirling a lot here. And uh, he looks really comfortable, and he's just hitting all sorts of little wedge shots. His long game is in a much, much better place. His entire golf game is in a much, much better place than it was when he went into this tournament last year. And I don't buy for a second this crappy narrative that journalists are coming out with saying that he's got, you know, uh, a mental block to overcome this week. I mean, that's just filling column inches and possibly getting into Jordan's head a little bit because he keeps hearing it, keeps hearing it, keeps hearing it. He'll be fine. He but might, do you think, he, he do might you, hit one of the water on 12, but once he does that, it'll almost be like the weight will be off his shoulders if there is a weight on his shoulders. To be honest, the, the guy seems like a rubber ball. But to these, me. these guys are multimillionaires. They're, they're absolute top of their game uh, sports people. You know, you're not telling me that if he has a mental block, which doesn't ever seem to be the case, because if you follow him on Snapchat, uh, this is a man who does not think too long about what happened last mm-hmm. year. This is a guy who is young, enjoying his golf, and just playing like that. If he does have a mental block, I'm guessing that his coach or somebody recommended going to, you know, Bob Rotella or somebody to talk about it yeah. and to hit a boxing bag for a few minutes to get it out <laughs> of his system. So I can't see. I think by the time he gets to the 12th, he's already played this course three or four or five, six, maybe a dozen times since this time last exactly. year he's not going up it's not like they're, he's standing on the, the, the 12th for the first time in 12 months and going oh, do you remember Gaddy when I was last here geez made it all screw up there yeah, yeah. like this isn't something that for him that's going to be affected I think Dustin uh, you know you're right I think if we just put it to bed for a moment the Dustin you know Jordan kind of conversation Dustin has to come off this perch like you know whether it's this week or not we don't know mm. But there is going to be a time that the train is going to stop. The other question is, this is now a major. You know, the other tournaments, while they've been big tournaments, they are not the Masters. They are not a major. Yeah. That brings with it its own pressure. He's spending a lot of time this week, everybody talking about how great he's been playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it will be interesting to see how he carries that through over the course of the week. Is he going to be there or thereabouts? I think he will. Yeah. And we know that he can play in the wind. We know what kind of player he is. Jordan, I think we've said enough about him. Rory is your guy, right? I'm not backing Rory this week, mainly because I think that if I do, I'd probably jinx him. <laughs> I think, as an Irish perspective, we obviously want him to finish the Grand Slam. We yeah. want him to get it. There's obviously every year. The interesting point that was made this morning by Rich Beam was simply, if ever there was a year that Rory gets to come to Magnolia Lane and drive up without all the focus on mm-hmm. him. This is probably it. Yeah. Um, we know this guy can play this course. You know, this is a man who can play in wind, can play in bad weather, is long enough off the tee, 
you know, all of a sudden you're kind of going, hmm, this is a guy who could go and win this um, and, and could do it and nobody would be surprised. Do you know, that's a good point. There, there used to be a, a narrative going around or, you know, it used to be said that Rory couldn't play in the wind. But on um, on a website, I got it found out today, futureoffantasy.com, they do a strokes game performance in the wind. And since 2014, Rory is the number two performer in the wind since then. So that says he can do it. Um, I, li- I like that he's come a little bit under the radar. I like that he isn't. He hasn't played too many tournaments. He had time to work on a short game and really, you know, used used his bad situation to his advantage. And he's, I'm sure he's well prepared for this, ready to go. I really hope he does it, irrespective of my bet. It's because I'm a fan of his, and let's let's. I mean, I'd love to see it happen, but. There are 91 other guys out there in the field who well, are also trying to pull on a green jacket in their size. I'm going to say that my money is on Ricky Fowler. And I'll tell you why. Because you're a stats man and you love stats. This is a guy who's tied fourth in top 10 finishes. He's first in scoring average. He's fourth in strokes gained tee to green. He's tied second in strokes gained total. He's third in scrambling, tied ninth in putting. 24th in driving distance and 36th in driving accuracy. And not to forget, he's also, which I read this earlier, first in first round scoring average. And we know how crucial it is to get a fast start in tournaments. Forget his 80 that he had in the first round last year. That's a bit of an anomaly. Well, let, let's look at the Masters records. He's he's played six. He's made five cuts. He missed it last year. Best is tied fifth in 2014. Two tied seconds that year in the US Open and the Open Championship. Tied third in the PGA. He's the 2015 Players' Championship. And then just look at what he's done. Tied third at Houston. Uh, 12th at the Arnold Palmer. Tied 16th at the WGC in Mexico. Won the Honda Classic. Tied fourth in Phoenix. And we won't go back into, into October and December, but there was a tied third and a tied sixth in that. At 22-1, to 1, if you're looking for value outside of the, the top guys, to me... On paper, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at, you know, having to hit it long. Tick. Yeah. He's got to put well. Tick. He's got to scramble. Tick. You know, scoring average. Tick. Top four, so he's, you know, in top tens. He's coming in with form. He's won already this year. Tick. And we know he can play in the wind. We've watched him play the Open Championship and hit magnificently shaped shots with the wind. So, look, he's a fantastic shout. He played really well last week on a golf course that's designed to mimic the conditions of Augusta. Why Why would you not be interested in that guy to win? The only way, The only thing is, you know, would a green jacket look good with the orange pants? That That's going to have to... And a white t-shirt? And a white t-shirt. I think, I think we might find a few fans. I think we all know how good Ricky is. It's whether or not he can bring it this week mm. over the next, you know, four four days. Um, Matsuyama, he's one of those perennial guys who is always there or thereabouts. We, we call him out pretty much on every single major as somebody who has an opportunity. Matsuyama has this strange suggestion by the commentary that you know he's got the weight of a nation i don't buy into that bit Uh, me neither matsuyama 2017 masters champion can you see it on sunday not happening no he's fallen off his perch that he had at the end of last year and i think i think he's almost played himself into a bit of bad form or because he was playing so good or so well he has um he's, he's super high expectations of where he should be at and he's not fulfilling those at the moment I think that's manifesting in these really 
crazy reactions and one-handed follow-throughs to shots that are actually quite good, but they're just not playing to the perfect picture he has in his head. And as a result, he's kind of gone off the boil a bit. So if if he can put if he can get himself together, I think he can get in the mix for sure. I just I, I yeah I don't know it, it doesn't say he doesn't have winner to me in my head. Let let let's finish off I suppose with a couple of quick fire ones. You know between Jason Day, Phil Mickelson, you know Adam Scott, the, you know Henrik Stenson, any major. Well, my kind of shout for somebody out of that pot. My other big bet I've had this week is on Justin Rose. Um, Justin has shown that he can play Augusta when it's playing easy and and score really well and do well. And he's shown that he can play Augusta when it's playing difficult. Um, he's done that over the last few... Where is he there? He's done that over the last few years. I really think he is in great form. Again, typical Rose, a little bit under the radar because he doesn't have quite have that superstar status that the, the big, big names have. I think he's a great shout. He's a... Brilliant ball striker, hits a plenty long. His putting is better than it used to be. Short game is pretty decent as well. He's got the all-round package, and we know that he can grind it out when the conditions are really tough. Um, and having, he knows having, how to win a major. Having seen him win the US Open in Merriam, which was truly, truly difficult. So he's my little shout there. Um, he's my other big bet. Stenson has seems to have a mental block about Augusta, and he's missed a couple of cuts recently. There might that knee might be at him. We're not, you know, it's hard to tell. Phil Phil was doing his Phil thing last week in Houston, playing all the shots he needs to play to get ready for this week. Didn't really care about the result last week. He's actually been playing really well this year, and it's Phil in his playground of Augusta where he's won three times. It'll Whatever happens with Phil this week, whether he wins or doesn't win, it'll be fun, and we'll get some great highlight reel stuff. And that's... Well, you know you know with Phil, you know with Phil there's going to be the miracle tree yeah. the trees, but it will just depend on whether, like at the start of the season where he had narrowed those kind of mad drives going left right and all over the place mm. if he can get back to where he was earlier in the season to narrowing that down I, I think he's look he, we know he can play this course we know how much he enjoys it um, let's look at just a few other play, players like John Ram. you know is this just too soon for a guy like that you know he's he's showing form no doubt about it um, would you would you be kind of saying look it, it would be a bit like a Danny Willa kind of a surprise to see him come through over the week. Well, he's playing for his first time. That's not in his favour. Um, in his favour, he has youthful exuberance, um, super form, hits the ball a mile, hits it really high. His, you know, All the attributes in his game are there to that can get him a green jacket. Um, so... I, I worry that he might have burned himself out of it by playing the Houston Open last week. He said he wanted to just keep... Keep the form ticking. Keep the foot down on the pedal. So he's going to go in excited. That's the one thing that, like, and you that's know, the thing. he's he's going to be like a little puppy that's going to be let out for the first time. I think, and he, I think he might run out of steam. The adrenaline might just not be able to hold him there. But I'm I'm happy to watch him go all the way because he's a very exciting player to watch. Let's talk about somebody else who's young. Matthew Fitzpatrick, sixty to one. Um, you know, green and regulation monster. He's been a little bit out of sorts, but um, he's got a great, you know, great record here last year, and uh, or great performance here last year. And we know what can happen to guys when they go to a place they really enjoy playing. It can all just click into gear. Do you have Dare. a little bet on him? Or no, I just I think just, just see the like, name Matthew Fitzpatrick and um, 
uh, Tommy Fleetwood are kind of ones that I just have a little kind of side eye on. More interesting is Sergio. Um, any feeling that this could be his, you know, no. him, Paul Casey, you know, like we're Paul, starting Paul, to Paul kind of get to a point like... I think it's more likely that Paul Casey does it than Sergio. Sergio seems to blow his head up when it comes to Augusta. Um Bubba Watson, power, you know, powers over all the par fives, bombing a mile. Is he the kind of guy who all of a sudden could win this tournament by just a load of eagles? He could, he could, yeah. I mean, two-time winner, hits, has a, you know, the ability to shape, crier. to shape, yeah, yeah, to shape. Well, I cry if I won the jacket. Has you the cry when you win the, the the event in the Druids Heath. Here we weekend. go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the one the one putt putting contest, yeah. So. Um, he got apparently got a little putting tip from Brand Snedeker recently, so hopefully that'll have sorted out that uh, putrid action he was calling a putting stroke that we've seen over the last while. He could he could easily get there and just settle down and uh, and do it. You know, it's uh, it's Bubba, and he you know it's, it's a place he's got good memories. I think you know there's a few really good guys available here around this kind of sixty to eighty mark. You know, you've got. Mark Leishman, winner a couple of weeks ago, um, has a has a one really good performance here at Augusta. Daniel Berger played great last week, hits the ball really far, is a good wind player, and uh, can really battle it out when the conditions are tough. We he lost to Harrington um, a couple of years ago in the playoff, and the conditions were brutally tough. You know, you've got some great Charles Schwartzel there is available at eighties and nineties in certain places. Uh, past champion playing pretty well. Lee Westwood will well if you could back him for a three round Masters, he'd probably <laughs> you know you, you'd probably have a winner. But um, let's uh, let's see what Lee can do. Bill Haas has been quite popular, playing well. Broke that top ten duck of his last year. Um, and out, I mean, outside a hundred to one, there's another you know a few interesting guys. You've got Emiliano Grillo is quite interesting. He finished seventeenth on his first appearance last year. He's a winner on tour, and I think this is a his secret weapon. He's got the ear or the the advice of Ankel Cabrera, his fellow countryman, this week. That's a big help, you know, to have somebody like that take you under his wing and give you that advice. Who else is out? Who else is out there? There's, there, are, there are a few you can, others. You could waste your money on Danny Willard at a hundred to one. Yeah, he's not playing so hot right now, is he? But um, but maybe as you say, this is the time when all of a sudden you know you can you can turn around and. It uh, just clicks. Um, get that comfort factor when he gets back there. This could be the thing he needs. You know, he's had his year of fun now, and he just he's back to the place where it all began. And it could be kind of a, a catharsis, or you know, coming out of a shell, or those kind of trapped him for the last few months. Really, it's it's going to be like you could really go through all of them. And um, we won't. We'll be know, here for hours. And I think that ultimately. When you do look at it, it, it does lend your eye back to that Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler. And, and kind of hard to see it coming from anybody other than those five. I think that for anybody to beat those guys, they're going to have to have a superb four days. Like we know that that's kind of an obvious statement. But going hand in hand with that. If any of those five guys played to the level that we know they can play, mm-hmm. there's nobody else winning this tournament other yeah. than those five. They need those five guys to have a few bad days or you know, potentially four bad days. Or just one bad round to kinda of knock them back a bit and stop them running away with it or you know, getting out and getting out in the lead and applying the pressure by being at the top of the leaderboard. Like 
For me, what I'd love to see this week is just those five or six guys going off in the last, you know, two or three, four groups and just ding-donging it. Like, you'd love to see most of those or even three or four of those top five, top six players yeah, be wonderful, all be within a couple of uh, couple of shots of each other yeah. and just ding-dong and back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. And having six screens with different feeds coming in. Look, whoever wins this week is going to have to play brilliant, but in very different conditions. Like The course is certainly going to change over the four days. It will be tough, windy, a little bit receptive on Thursday and Friday, but Saturday and Sunday, the wind is going to die a bit, the sun's going to come out, it's going to start firing up and getting firm and fast. Those greens are going to be harder to hold. I like this as a challenge. It's not just going to be them playing the same course four days in a row. They're going to have to adapt their games and uh, react to the way the course and what the challenges the course is presenting over the four days. And uh, the, the pressure of trying to win a green jacket. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've really only scratched a very mm. small surface. Uh, Barry, you have done another podcast this week uh, with our good friend over at uh, golfbettingsystems.co.uk. I did, yeah. So um, Steve Bamford and Golf Betting System has uh, well started up a, a little podcast. I'm going to guest present with him for a few of the key tournaments this year. And the first one we did was for the Masters. So that's up on their Podbean account. So you can find the link to that on Steve's um, Twitter, which is at Bamford Golf. They also have a Facebook group, group, a golf betting system Facebook group, which is brilliant. So you can apply to join that. There's loads of great golf knowledge in there. They have some uh, free majors competitions, free weekly betting competitions where you can win free bets. And their website's brilliant for kind of breaking down stats on players. They have free predictor models on the website. So... Um, you can check that out. I'll po- I'll post up the link to the episode on our Twitter account as well, and uh, that's at Bamford Golf and GolfBettingSystem.co.uk. And if you're really into your stats, it's a great episode to listen to because Steve just has them falling out of him. Yeah, and it, it's more in depth than what we could oh, yeah. possibly cover in in this. So if you want a bit more information, if you want a lot more of the stats and the kind of the form, go over and have a look at that. And um, I'm going to be pretty much sitting in an armchair from Thursday through to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already told my wife not to bother me over the course of that time. I think you're pretty much going to do the same. To my non-existent wife, yeah. Um, well, just to be... Well, you can tell my wife not to bother you either. Would that help your cause? Yeah. Okay, much. I'll do it. I'm in. Uh, yeah. So look, let us know what, what you guys think at a Good Talk Golf is the Twitter handle. There's going to be a lot of interaction, hopefully, over the course of the four days. If there's not, I apologize, because we're just stuck watching the TV. Yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, let us know what you think, who's going to win, who you're backing at a Good Talk Golf. I'm going with Ricky Fowler. Barry, you're sticking with Rory McIlroy. I'm stuck on Rory. You're stuck on Rory. Um, all I can say is it's going to be a hell out of a fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose that's all to say is look, get in contact with us at a good talk golf. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Um, I was going to say enjoy whatever you're doing this weekend, but we know what you're going to do this weekend. So have a great time watching the Masters. And this day next week, we're going to have a look back at the 2017 Masters. <laughs> Bye-bye, man. Well, goodbye. Bye-bye.